Hello and welcome back to How We Dad. In this episode, I sat down with my boss of all people, Daniel Morgan, and we chatted about all things dadding. So Dan and I have known each other for a couple of years now since I came out to Arcadia Vale Public School. And we have had a lovely relationship from the get-go. And Dan has always been someone that I've looked up to, whether it be career-wise or as a father. So to be able to sit down with him and chat about how he looks after his three and his beautiful wife, Charlotte, was really lovely. And the way that he speaks with passion, the way that he talks about his children, he just gets it. And he admits that there are some tough times that come your way, as all relationships will go through. But it's being able to find those moments of clarity after those tough times and and really focus and refocus on what is important. He holds his children with such high esteem and it even sounds like he looks up to them, which is amazing to hear. So please sit back and enjoy this chat about how Dan dads. Um, but it's nice to do it in a classroom too, where it's nice and cool, nice and bright and colourful. Hopefully you feel comfortable. I do. I feel very comfortable. Thank you. Awesome. Um, so we're sitting down. I get, I get to sit down with my boss, uh, Daniel Morgan. So... I've known Dan since coming to Arcadia Vale and we, our friendship clicked pretty quickly. I think even in that meeting that I came in before I was working here, I think that we had a pretty good connection and that's how I, think I ended up. you were wearing a, a Liverpool shirt. Yeah, and I think I commented on <laughs> Craig's uh, screensaver because it was a Liverpool thing and that's when I learnt the horrid truth of you being a man you supporter. So uh, banter from the start, but a nice little way to, to start our, our connection. So. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting. Um, I'm doing this for personal reasons um, to try and, you know, be equipped. And, and you're, as I said, a bit further down your dadding journey now. So I think you're going to be a, a wealth of knowledge that I can pick out. <laughs> so thank Hopefully. you for sitting down and, and doing this with me. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So let's do, we'll start with a little quick rundown. Who you are, how old you are, where you grew up. And how many kids you currently have? It's a bit of a big question at the start, but. Um, Yeah, so I'm 41 years old. Um, I'm a a relieving principal at the moment. I've been teaching, um, geez, for 24 years now or something like that. That's a fairly long time. Before that, I was an SLSO, so I've I've been in education my whole whole life. I grew up in Merriweather. Um, Must be nice. It was was very nice. (laughs) It wasn't. Like it was these days. I think my parents bought when it was $130,000 and it was right in the middle of the junction. So, yeah, I went, to, I went through this Catholic system yeah. and I loved it. We just spent um, most of our time at the beach or um, on a football pitch. So that was, that was me as a youngster. I've got um, three kids. So my eldest is 12. Uh, that's George. I've got Eliza, who's 10, and then Ivy, who is 7, and probably going on 12 to 13, 14, <laughs> 15. <laughs> She's old. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've met all three of your children. They are absolutely lovely. And Ivy actually came here for a little bit. She did. Was that post-COVID or during COVID? One post-COVID. of those. Yeah. 
So she came and did uh, a couple of – was it a term that she did? It was did? one term. We um, took her out of daycare because we didn't know how long yep. lockdown was going to be and then we couldn't get her back into daycare. <laughs> yeah. And um, I spoke to Craig and I said, can I bring Ivy to kindergarten for one term, term four? Yep. And she still says to this day that she actually wants to come back to Arcadia Vale. So. Oh, bless. Yeah. We'd have her, have her back in a heartbeat for sure. <laughs> Growing up in Merriweather and you said you love the football pitch – being so close to the beach, was that a big factor in your childhood as well? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, it was always sport. So I wasn't ever um, like a surfy or anything like that. I, I just wanted to play soccer. So I call it football, soccer. And then summer was all about cricket. I was probably better at cricket, but I was playing a high grade when I was 16 and got too scared. <laughs> To be honest, honestly, like yeah. um, it was, it was confronting being with um, you know quite grown men, and I was young. And a cricket ball's hard. And a cricket ball's hard. Um, and it just kind of, I kind of just left and focused on football. Yeah. What did your mum and dad do growing up? So mum, mum was a teacher when I was younger. Um, so education's she, just followed you everywhere. Yeah. She she later became a head teacher over in England. So we all moved to England for approximately 10 years and she became a head teacher she's actually been my line manager twice oh three times if we include as an sloso so it's not what you know it's who you know <laughs> thanks mum <laughs> <laughs> and dad was a, a minor but not just any minor he he kind of ran the show he was an engineer without a certificate so highly intelligent man practically mm -hmm. but he couldn't even write his own Name. So his name was Peter, but he used to sign letters P E T, which yeah. I always used to tell him it was that's pet. <laughs> and he said, no, Pete, P E T. <laughs> so, but he, yeah, he was a miner his whole life. Lots of flying fly out. So, okay. um, predominantly a lot of time with, um, with mum. Yeah, lovely. So, growing up, oh, siblings. Yeah, I've got three siblings. So I was the oldest and I've got uh, Sarah who um, was two years younger than me, uh, Jessica another two years and then Sam. So, yeah, I was the oldest and, and definitely took on that, that kind of um, the role of uh, chief like poker or prodder, uh, kind of <laughs> wound my, my siblings up no end. So. Yep. And it was interesting. Like, we all had different relationships. I was, I was a lot closer with um, Jessica. Then the other two, and then the other two were, were a lot closer together. Yeah. We, we had a happy childhood. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. That's really great. So growing up, who would you say your role models were? Yeah. So, so my dad, obviously we spoke about my dad. Unfortunately, he had an alcohol addiction. Okay. Um, so, and he's, he's pa since passed. Yeah. When did he pass? Oh, when he was 55, I think. Probably about eight years ago now. Yeah, and that was that was a tragedy because you know, like I said, he was a um, very clever man, mm. very capable. Completely renovated our house, but not just renovated. Like he would do the bathroom, he did all the electrics. Like he was a you know a very capable man, but he just couldn't shake the addiction. It it was his ended up to be like his demise. So that was hard and. You know, I've I've had to I've I've gone through processes where I've actually had to like work through things and 
try and understand things because as a as a young kid it was um it was kind of hard to understand that you couldn't choose your kids over you know at the next drink so yeah sorry i've lost train of thought i don't know where the question role was models. we're on role, role models, models. Yeah. so it wasn't dad unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> but that as a young kid like that's got to be so tricky to deal with and you touched on not understanding it fully like you're, you're fortunate enough now to have your adult brain and you've done as you said some work around that yeah but do you empathize a little bit with with dad oh 100 percent. like i um but i i used to not yeah it actually came about when he passed away that I actually I didn't know how I would react and I I actually went through quite a big mourning period. Mm. I came to like terms with it and I I looked at it for what it was and you know in a weird way maybe he was a bit of a role model. I've I've I I didn't drink until I was twenty one. I was petrified. Yep. I love that he was so capable at everything. So I try and I try and like I'm renovating my house now um, with Charlotte, and I think I'm I've learned a lot of things through him. Yeah, but also a lot of things that I didn't want to um, see in myself. So in a weird way, he was he was a real a, a real role model. But that's funny um, how those role models can be either really positive role models or show you the, the probably not so pretty side of being a role model. Yeah. And you using that information to better yourself or to make sure that, not to make sure, but to just be mindful of what that could be like. So when you're role modeling yourself, that you have that as a skill set as well? I try. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Absolutely try, try my best. I did, I did have positive role models. Like um, my uncle, right from an early age, you know, he, he lived out this way and, and every weekend he would come and pick me up and take me to his, um, his soccer, yep. that's where that passion came from. Um, he supported Man United, so I supported Man United. And I was, I was hanging out with him and his friends, even though he was 10 years older than me, right from when I was, you know, eight, nine years old. Yeah. I would be ball boy for third grade, for second grade, first grade, and then sometimes even, you know, go to the after parties and things like that. <laughs> so I did have positive role models and, and with that uncle it was predominantly around sport yeah and then you know eventually got to play alongside him and that was that was really exciting and then he he had a son and i've also i ended up playing with him so it was kind of a nice um circle of life like we've we've all been pretty close now george looks up to my uncle's son yep so yeah it's really nice and I guess you would have had some sporting role models as well, being quite a sporty kid. Who was who are the ones that you looked up to as sports heroes? Oh. Too many to choose from, I bet. <laughs> no, I, I always look to Eric Cantona. I don't know if many people know. It's funny you say that, that because, and I think you know the story that I'm about to tell. At the festival that we just had at the school, talking to your boy George, he was on the kicking thing and, you know, he's burning through his money because it was $5 a go. And I said to him, oh, like, you obviously, you support Man United like your dad. I'm sorry about that. But who's your favourite player? And he looked at me stone-faced and he went, <laughs> I don't know if you'll know who this person is. You might be a bit too young. But Eric Cantona? I was like, mate, how old are you? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know who he is. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think he was a bit of a catalyst for the young, the young team that was coming through. But he just had an aura about mm. him. So, yeah, that's who I grew up watching. and. And um, he made me fall in love with football. He made me fall in love with leadership. He had a swagger and 
a confidence about him that was, you know, quite special. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> yeah, he was a great leader. That, that story of George, it'll stick with me forever. You might be a bit too young. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I'd like to deep, dig a little bit deeper into the relationship with your father as you were growing up. How was your relationship with your dad? It was, it was strained, I think. Being one of four as well. Yeah. So I, because I was the oldest, I think I probably took on a more of a, a protective role around, you know, mum and, and the, my siblings as well. When, it, when he was good, he was amazing. Like I said, he, you know, we, we could go off grid camping for, you know, a week or two at a time and, and he would be making roast dinners and mm. things like that with campfires. And, you know, as I said, he was, he was like basically an, an engineer. One time we were in Fraser Island and the, the whole axle of the, the trailer snapped. Yeah. He made a makeshift one out of a tree <laughs> to get us Bush back. Bush mechanics. Yeah, <laughs> to get us back to mainland. And it, and it lasted so long that he just kept on driving the whole way back down <laughs> to Newcastle. Like he was, he was, he was, so he was resilient. Oh, beyond. So yeah, all of them things, like I said, I've, I've tried to take some of his good qualities, the, the, the bad parts, the alcohol addiction. It, and it was, when I say addiction, it, it was substantial. Mm. You know, there were some not nice parts. As I grew older, and I don't think mum separated until I was probably you know, 16, 18, there were, there were substantial, you know, periods of the life that were difficult. Yeah. So our relationship became quite strained then. Yeah. And then, you know, he he's still hasn't met, like he didn't get a chance to meet the kids before he passed away. So okay. he moved to Indonesia. Yeah. And he... He remarried and he had another two children and, and yeah, it was, it was difficult. But um, like I said, after he passed, I, he used to take me to Fort Scratchley all the time as a kid and I took my kids there like the week of. And it was, you know, kind of a surreal kind of realisation and almost like a special moment because I was able to let go of a lot of anger. I don't know if it was hatred but just anger mm. but mainly anger for the, the it was a shame yeah the it, potential that was there. there was a lot of potential yeah yeah and that's the the horrible side of addiction um, 100% it can really take people away from what they want to be doing I'm sure if he had his time over again it'd be, you never know you never know but <laughs> he sounds like a he sounds like there's some values that you've picked up from him despite the addiction the resilience, the craftiness, the, the ability to see the positive in uh, situations as well. But then also, I don't know if this comes from him or this might come from mum, but the ability to see other people's passions and other people's special realms and help them pursue that without being too pushy. So who do you think you'd, you could attribute that quality to? Oh, thank you for the compliment, <laughs> first off. It's what, um, we're, it's what we're here for. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I think so I'd attribute uh, some of that to mum. You know, mum supported us in whatever we wanted to do. She spent a lot of time with, with my sister. My sister became a professional ballet dancer and seeing that um, and seeing the process that she went through, you know, having the belief and it was, it was like 
we had to constantly uh, support her with her belief because it was constant. There's no chance that it's going to happen. There's mm. no chance you'll make it. So as a family, we kind of pulled around um, my sister to support her through that process. I think I probably wish that I, I had someone that kind of pushed me a little bit harder in some of the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wish I had someone that had pushed me harder in, in football and maybe I, I never would have made it, but I don't think anyone ever said, oh, you know what, you could make it. Yeah. When that didn't pan out, I, I wanted to be a builder and, and I, I, I went and did a year as, as a, um, an apprentice and I absolutely loved it, but everyone at that point was saying, you know, you, you need to go to uni, you have to go to uni. Yeah. You know, building's not... We, but I was passionate about it. Yeah. What could have been? Well, I don't know, but I, I enjoy it still. Yep. So as and, a, and we enjoy putting shit on you when you come in with <laughs> your, your tool belt and your boots that look <laughs> suspiciously clean. They're not clean. <laughs> I just buy new boots. Yeah. So from my perspective as a, a parent, I want all all three of my children to go, do you know what, like the, I, they have someone that believes in them and definitely like Charlotte is amazing as a, as a mother. We probably both uh, do ourselves in mm-hmm. a lot as parents because we will put ourselves out there for the kids to have what they need to so that they can succeed. There was one, one season where I was down at National Park every night except for Thursday and then both days on the weekend mm, unless yep. we had an away game yeah so yeah it, it's tiring but I also I don't think many people ever used to come to watch me play football mum says she did but she was always <laughs> at ballet so yeah but yeah so and I, I like taking that role as a as a dad I like to be there and sure. watch watch them whether it's swimming not so much dance. I think there's a bit of um, you know, <laughs> PTSD from ballet. Yep. But yeah. But you'd ice still be skating. There. We've done ice skating. We've done gymnastics. We we do football, like cricket, everything. So yeah, yeah. I think that's really lovely to be able to let the kids try whatever their passion is, and to be able to facilitate that as a parent is amazing. And in a way, it sounds like where your childhood had its peaks and troughs, you've learned from those troughs and you're trying to fill those for yourself, but in turn that's going on to your children. And by through support, through being that pushing force, not like pushing is like you better play for Man United or else, <laughs> but just supporting in that way, it sounds like you've, you've set those kids up for a lot of success, but also you're there if it fails and that's okay. Oh, like... We couldn't be prouder of like, you know, like George, we, we didn't, George got, just got into a selective high school. We didn't say, we want you to go to a selective high school. He said he wanted to go and he said he wanted to take the test, but he also said, I want to have tutoring, which was a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, if that's his passion and that's what he wants to do, then, you know, We'll, we'll do whatever we can to support that. But he's, he's now a trailblazer and, and, you know, he was um, vice captain at school. So now Eliza wants to be captain and she wants to go to a selective high school. And 
and Ivy just wants to go to Selective High School because they get early Fridays, <laughs> but that's Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I couldn't be – I think that's the most important thing to me is that they feel like whatever they choose that um, Charlotte and I will be there for them. Yeah, for sure. In your friendship circle, were you the first to have kids or were yeah. you around the middle? Where, where do you sit with your, with your mates? First, I – I was known as the yes man. If anyone wanted to go out or anything like that, I would be the person that they'd know would definitely be there and quite enjoyed that life. And then I met Charlotte and I asked Charlotte to marry me, I think it was three months in. Yep. We got married a year, almost a year to the, after that and then we had George a year after that. So Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, it wasn't, there was no mucking around and that shocked my friends. There, were, there wasn't many friends that could kind of understand that because, um, you know, I hadn't really had any serious relationships up, up until that point. Yeah. But when you know, you know. You do. You really do. Yeah. Charlotte's lovely. We've been to your place for Christmas lunch <laughs> and she, though she looks very calm on the surface, there was like, you know, the, the duck metaphor, the feet were going crazy underneath and the food was spectacular. And she ran into me at the festival and just gave me a couple of little compliments that I didn't even know that she knew about. One was the school podcast, one was this one yeah. and just little, little, those little extras. And she always just seems to pick up on those little things. And I think that's definitely going to be something that's passed on to your children as well. Just the yeah. way that they are able to communicate with anybody. I, honestly, I think out of everyone in my life, uh, she's had the greatest impact on me as a father. Yeah. How so? She, she makes me think. Yeah. <laughs> so she holds me to account. She is much more empathetic than me. Mm -hmm. So my mum came over from Scotland. Her, her mum is quite, she's Scottish and quite, they, they come from a hard life yeah and and you know what it's like like back in them days people didn't talk about their emotions or feelings or anything like that and you know I don't think they knew any it, it was wrong or anything like that but they just it, it's you don't talk about your emotions you get on with the job and and that's how the how she'll be right mate sort of approach yeah and I, so I grew up you know keeping my emotions inside trying to um trying to put you know, your best, best um, foot forward and, and make sure that everyone kind of thought everything was fine. Mm -hmm. But Charlotte's definitely breaking, breaking them um, boundaries down and, and I can only see positives from that um, in terms of um, being a, a parent yep. because I want, I want my children to be able to, to talk about their emotions and, and, you know, know how to understand what they're feeling and, and, in turn, hopefully know how to deal with them. And, and know it's okay sometimes to not be okay. 100%. And to voice that and to find the person that's safest to talk to yep. them about. And that's something that I, like I've got a little bit until this comes, but with Otis, I, I want to either myself or Bridget to be the, the person that if it is a tough time, and if not, it's going to be Nana or Poppy, Nan and Pa, because he has such a lovely relationship with them. Yeah. I just hope that he realises that he's got that avenue when those tough times do come for him because it is something that scares you as a parent. 100%. Because it's out of your control. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. You can be there for them, but you can't press on it either. Yeah. So if you go in all guns blazing with the questions, they're probably going to shut out pretty quickly. 
they have to feel comfortable enough to come to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that sounds like what you and Charlotte are trying to do there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's George has even started like, you know, he's, he's going into his teenage years, but he's, he's able to um, articulate and express his emotions. Sometimes obviously you need to ask and you need to probe, but like, but with Charlotte, like I said, she, she role models for me and, and because I am starting to learn, I'm starting to un- unpack that side of me. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm starting to role model for the kids as well. Yeah. It's not always easy. No. Because, you know, your brain's wi- when your brain's wired a certain way, you, um, you always kind of, it's hard to not go down the normal path. Yeah, it's, it's just been the most amazing partnership of my life to be able to to find someone that is able to you know show me show me some ways that are better i do i do that for her in other ways i hope <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's always it's always nice to attribute positives to the person that you've chosen and the person that has chosen you and to yeah. work as it as a team so charlotte sounds like she is going to lead me into this next question with who is your role model for when you are being a dad, who's someone that you go, I think that's someone who I would like to be like in my fathering career. I, like, like I said, I, I, there's, there's parts of Charlotte that I look at and I go, I, I wish I could have handled that situation like that. Or I am definitely more kind of strict in, in regards to certain things, whereas she'll come in and, and look at it from, you know, there's, there's a feeling underlying that behaviour or that reaction, so let's unpack that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's definite attributes of Charlotte's parenting that I look, look up to and I think, well, I want to emulate that. I think like there's even my dad, I look at, I look at things like that and I think I want to emulate that for my kids. You know, there's being resourceful and being able to you know make the best of bad situations be able to you know do things by yourself I find that important take risks you know you and I have recently you know performed in front of you know the yeah, school community whole school community a couple of that times was, that was, I was petrified of singing for years and years and years and I did that one to conquer my fears but also to make the kids kind of step out of their comfort zone yeah particularly when we did the musical. So I, I don't know where that comes from, but um, they're kind of things that I, I wish I'd done earlier. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. So I was quite reserved when I was younger. Yep. Went through periods where, you know, probably didn't have a good group of friends or I didn't, I didn't fit the mould of what was cool. Yeah. So. Definitely. But that's, I guess that's the life journey, isn't it? Like you, you find your people along the way. You learn from certain things, you pick out the positives and, and you keep moving forward. But it is, touching back on the musical thing, that's exactly why I did it as well, was to role model for the children that I had the year, th- year three at the time. And every time it came to practice for the musical, it's no, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it in front of all the people. And it was not pushing because you didn't have to say, yes, you, you are or you need to. It was just through the actions of the staff, myself, role modelling that, hey, I'm going to give this a go too. I'm not Jimi Hendrix, but I can hold some sort of a tune. Not yet. Not yet, <laughs> that's right. The power of yet. But to be able to role model that for the kids, and I think 
a lot of the boys in the room were really hesitant around dancing in front of people. But then once we got rid of that stigma, they were up there in a heartbeat. And it's still something that they talk about now around how much they enjoyed that time. Yeah. So to be able to facilitate that for them and to put that on and, and for you to be principal at the time when that happened, surely that brings a hell of a lot of joy yeah. uh, uh, to you. Uh, I don't know where it came from. It was a PL once, but I remember talking about a jar, a jar of fleas, mm-hmm. uh, and you put a lid on the jar and then the jet fleas can only jump as high as the lid, but then you take the lid off and those fleas have learnt that that's as high as they can jump, yeah. so they don't, don't jump further. And I don't know why that impacted me so much, but I do think I was a flea in my earlier life uh, in some, some respects. Jumping uh, against an invisible roof. Yeah, yeah. You know, how, I think through schooling, I think I only had one teacher that really, you know, seen me. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I, went, I flew under the radar. Yeah. So that's where my passion comes from for education. I, I want to make every kid see that there's no, there's no ceiling. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, I don't know if you listened to the recent school podcast, but I had three of the year six boys in here and I asked them who their favorite teacher was. And they all went through at least two classroom teachers and then they all said you. <laughs> and I asked them, oh, did you get to have Mr. Morgan as a teacher? And they said, no, like he was doing the AP stuff and then the principal stuff whilst we were like, we never had him on class. But he was able to give us the time, and especially in year six when there's been a few more mental health things, a few more dramas coming up that you've been able to coach these boys through that. So I suggest you go back and listen to that because that will bring a tear to your eye. I have listened to every other one except for that one. (laughs) It only came out this morning, so it's okay. Um, But they mentioned you as someone that they lent on during those times, even though you were busy running the school, being principal, all the things that come with that, you still have enough time to get your feet on the ground and go and connect with these boys when they need it. So, again, that's just another thing that you're role modelling, whether or not that, that effect has been evident to you, but that's what you are doing No, I appreciate that ground that, level. I mean, I think that comes back to our school philosophy of high expectation relationships. And, sure. And that's, that's really important to me, not only for the students, but for the staff and, and for the community. So. I think we've got a pretty special culture and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they said that about every teacher here because I think, you know, we've all got our, you know, special attributes. So. But that's why I got into education because there's I, – I had probably two genuine teachers that saw me for who I was. Every other one said not working to potential, doesn't listen, all the typical boy stuff yeah. when really I was probably just bored. And I only had two that really knew who I was and how I operated. It's not so much I went into education to kind of go, oh, stuff you. It was, I know how that felt when it felt like they didn't see me or they didn't care and I'd just get in trouble. So I said, I'm going to get into education. I'm going to be the one that I want my name to be the one that they go, Mr. Ford, he was the one that saw me for who I was. And he was the one that really helped me. Even if it's for a year, then... Uh, I've, I've done my job and that, that will bring me a lot of peace. And then that also runs over into Otis. And, and it, it will. And you're like, um, even the other day I had a student come in and they said, they came in and they said, I'd, I'd just finished my HSC and I wanted to let you know. And it was, it, it's those moments that you're like, oh, like 
it kind of like just puts everything else in perspective and it does make you feel like the job that you do is 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 important yep and impactful um, and very impactful so but there's no bigger job than you know parenting so mm, for sure on your parenting journey which you're a little bit further along than what I am and and quite frankly you're the first person I've spoken to that has multiple children what were some of the really tough times so what were some of the times that you, you look back on and you go, we got through that, but geez, that was tough. And then how did you get through those times? Oh, uh, look, we've, we've had lots of difficult times. I mean, you know, everyone finds, or most people find the, the early months difficult, but also I think they were like some of the special, most special. You're kind of pinching yourself to like, you know, make yourself realise how, how lucky you are. We moved continents that was hard yeah how so, long were you over there for 10 years so yeah. I, I moved over to England I met Charlotte I only was meant to be there for one year I met Charlotte and came back to Australia with a wife and two kids we moved when Eliza was six months old okay and we left my family and Charlotte's family back in England which was really hard because um like we had extended family but we didn't really have a support network we moved over. I, I got a term contract. We moved over based on one term contract. And then Charlotte quickly got a job and, and we moved to Sydney. I think we lived in six houses within, you know, probably half a year. Yeah. Because we had to sell my house and Charlotte's house in England. But the only thing I can say about that is I think both Charlotte or well, Charlotte is extremely resilient and, and we've been able to rely on each other throughout, you know, most of our difficult times. Yep. And that's, you know, probably a testament to the love that we have for each other, but also our friendship because it, it can be hard, you know, particularly when you don't have lots of people around saying, I look at my best mate and, and we talk about it, but he's, he's got both of his parents are both retired. Mm -hmm. His step-parent is, um, parent-in-laws are both retired they take turns at having his two children and they get I think right from when they were born they they had a Wednesday off a Wednesday where the kids went and stayed overnight and then a, a Saturday or a Sunday where they went and stayed overnight so big big support network yeah, yeah. so I think we got our first night off um, when George was nine or ten. Oh, geez okay <laughs> yep <laughs> so yep. But we, but we love it. Like that's we're both maternal or paternal and maternal. Yeah, and we love it. So they're they're our they're our world. I think moving continents was probably one of the hardest things that we've dealt with. Definitely. Um, and then obviously you know recently, Avi um Avi was diagnosed with epilepsy. Mm. So that's been a that's been a challenge. But again, I look at that kid and I think you are probably one of the most resilient humans I know doesn't mean that it's not affecting her but she gets up every day and um, she has the same amount of sta sass she pretty much dictates everything that happens in the house and she is as funny as hell honestly she, she is she very is as yeah as quick as anything and you know you just deal with the life's hard isn't it it is you just and deal with things if you don't mind me asking how did Ivy's seizures affect the family? So the siblings yeah. and you and Charlotte as parents. And how did you put your arms around each other to support 
them and Ivy through that. Yeah, so um, which is still ongoing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, it's it's only relatively new. So yeah. Ivy's had two seizures. Uh, the first 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 thing was um, Eliza. Eliza woke up during the first one, and there's a fair amount of trauma there. So um, we're supporting her. You know, through we've got a psychologist, um, but we do family sessions. Okay. Um, which has been fascinating to hear a ten year old articulate herself better than I could ever and talk about her emotions in in such a way that is just fascinating and mind-boggling to me. And she is coping so much better and we've only had two sessions. So that that's one way. It's impacted Charlotte Knight. Like I, I sleep with a monitor in a separate room mm-hmm. because when I go to bed, I basically move Eliza in with Charlotte and then Charlotte has Ivy next to her because to be honest like from our perspective there's still a level of anxiety Mm -hmm. um the seizures for her type of epilepsy only happen during the night usually um so is it when the brain's in a certain sort of rhythm yeah coming coming in and out of sleep okay yep so it's impacted charlotte's um sleep yeah and you know we there's there's times when that's difficult but there's also times where like you said we we just wrap our arms around each other and we we keep on going and and you know we just we do things that are fun we go out to the beach on the weekend we took them all to the beach and you it's life is as normal yeah and that's what we've been told you just you just have to keep on going she's going to be fine life is normal i was I won't say she was catching 10 footers on the weekend, but <laughs> at least one footers yeah. and getting 20 or 30 metres on and, and her face, like no fear whatsoever. And you're just like, well, yeah. you know what, this is, um, this is what we've got to deal with and, and look at all the fun times we can still have and move forward. And she, she can get through it. And together, she, together uh, you'll get through it. Oh, 100%. And, and that's it, like just together and I think when Charlotte and I are together and we are and I'm not saying that it's always you know sunshine and roses but mm. when we are um in sync there's I don't think there's anything we couldn't you know overcome yeah so that's lovely all right let's lighten it up a bit yep through your dad career what is a standout moment <laughs> of where you've it's either yourself or somebody that you've seen where you've gone, they nailed that part. They absolutely nailed that. Yeah, I'm going to talk about a personal one. Yep. I don't think I nailed it, but um, I have coached George since he was four years old. Yep. I think he was three, but I said he was four. And he went through the whole season uh, and he didn't score. And all he, all he talked about for the whole season was he wanted to score. And it's, it's burnt in my memory. It was the last game. He picked up the ball from inside his own half and he dribbled it all the way to the goal. He scored and he, he, he just turned and he did probably a 30-metre sprint off the pitch yep. and um, just straight into my arms. And I was hugging him <laughs> and I'll, I'll never, ever forget it. But like I was like almost like he was in tears and I'm trying to like get him off my body to get him back onto the pitch. But um, yeah, I was and I've followed him ever since. Uh, I think next year will be the first year I won't coach him. Okay. So a different role. How are you going to go with that? I'll, I'll probably struggle to be honest. Yep. Um, but 
I also want him to experience someone else. It's time. Yeah, it is time to get someone else's teachings and have someone else push it. He pushes himself now. I can't, I can't stop him from, um, you know, training. So He's got a goal and he wants it. Yep. That's lovely. The, there's one that stands out to me, and I don't know if you remember sharing this, but there was one PL and you arrived a little bit late and it was because as you were leaving, you normally do a, a morning coffee with Charlotte and something with the kids as well in the morning before you go to work. And I don't know what happened, but you were running a little bit late. You're about to head out the door and you were saying that you didn't have time for the, the coffee and the sit down. And as you were saying that, you turned and you saw their faces and you went, no, you know what, stuff that. Uh, I, I do have time. The other stuff doesn't matter. And you took it was all the 15 minutes, sit down, have a coffee um, with Charlotte, the kids. And that stuck with me because it's something that I... I'm really conscious of making time slow down. And since Otis has been here, it really has. It's slowed down so much where the days used to go really, really quickly. Now, whenever I'm with Otis, time stands still and nothing else matters. And it's little stories like yours that you shared of, no, no, I've I've definitely got 15 minutes to do this. Who cares if I'm late to school? School will be there when I get there. This is the time that I'm going to invest. And I don't know if you remember sharing that, but that was... I don't, but... It's something that I need to be mindful of. Like you, you need to be mindful of things like that because, uh, you know, our jobs are busy. Mm-hmm. We're time poor. But, yeah, I, I, it's something that you need to keep on reminding yourself to make sure that you try and make that effort. This week, for instance, so like Ivy's obviously since the epilepsy, she, she has a bit of anxiety. She doesn't want to go to school as much. She doesn't want to be away from us. So this week we've, we've sat down with the calendar and yesterday – if she went to school, it was wrestles in the afternoon. Today it's hide and seek, which I'm super excited about. <laughs> um, but we just do a different activity every afternoon. And then if she does four, five days in a row, then, you know, we go and catch some waves on the weekend. So Awesome. But you have to think about things like that because yes. otherwise it's, it's easy to forget. It's those little moments. They're the little moments you want to bottle up. And keep forever. Yep. I, I always lose at wrestling as well. Oh, do you? And it's, she flogs you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always best out of three yep. and it's always two, two to one. Okay. Ivy's got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of values or pearls of wisdom do you want to pass on to your children as a dad or just I, as a parent in general? I think um, that I, I love learning. And I love reflecting and I'm by no means anywhere near perfection and that's great because there's lots and lots to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think, you know, if I struggle to get along with someone, it's because they're closed-minded or they're very set in, in a certain way. So, and that's where I think I love being in love with Charlotte because she opens my mind to a million different things. Yeah. I'm a million times better person every single day because of her. So I think to my kids, I just want them to kind of have a love of learning and, and be able to reflect on themselves and, and we all make mistakes, but hopefully um, they can learn from them. Yeah. This one I didn't send to you. Oh, no. This is an off-the-cuff question, <laughs> just thinking, because you've got three. Is it hard not to play favourites? There, is, is it hard to not be perceived as playing favourites? I think it's hard to not be perceived as playing favourites. I think Eliza definitely thinks that Ivy's a favourite. The middle child. 
No. Yeah. Um, so Eliza's the middle child. She thinks that Ivy's the favourite. Yeah, that's what I mean. Normally yeah. it's the middle child that... Uh, Is it? Yeah. I well, that's it... how I grew up anyway. Oh, I think really? it's maybe because I was the only boy. <laughs> <laughs> My two sisters... Uh, they, what they used to say, the the heir of Ford I was. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, you can't tell from your personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree with you. <laughs> I think it's hard to not have the – I don't find it hard playing favourites because every single one of them is my favourite for a different reason. Yeah. They are all incredible humans for their own, in their own rights. You know, George is – you know, headstrong. He's he's got a vision of where he's going. He he loves football, and you know it, he will achieve anything that he puts his mind to. Eliza is so incredibly intelligent. She's she's a genius, but she's funny, and she's I she is the kindest person that we've got. She's so thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when we've had, um, you know, difficult times in work or things like that, she'll she'll put little notes into our laptops and things like that, like things that I would wow. never even think of. How old is she? She's done that since she was seven. Okay. She's, she's hyper-intelligent in terms of um, emotions. And then Ivy is just the the funniest kid I've ever known and, and she is so – like she'll be a CEO or something like that because – um, she can just get everyone to do whatever she wants, <laughs> and you've got to foster that. Because, she's a people person, yeah, because she's she's clever in her own right. So yeah, was it? This no is something. Favorites. This is a personal one for me because having Otis now, it's like, how can you ever love something else as much as you do your first? So I'm sure you would have had the same thoughts when George was here. Yeah, when you knew you were pregnant with the second, and then when Eliza came along. Did that irrational fear or thought just go away instantly? Yeah. I hope it does because I look at Otis and <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to love something equally as I do you? Nothing yep. can compare. Instantly. Like, instantly? Yeah. Eliza was – I loved Eliza from the moment she – so George was a terrible, terrible birth and obviously it wasn't me that went through that. Yep. You know, we had to suck him out. Like we called him Conehead for um, the last, the first three months of his life. And Eliza came out like, like it was a slippery slide. It was uh, incredible, and we like I just loved her from the instant because it was just like the most perfect birth. But also with Eliza, we when when we moved to Australia, we switched roles. So I um. I spent um, best part of eight months as the stay-at-home parent. Wow, okay. And we developed a, a really special bond. She was quite a good wrestler as well. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. I just I think you, it's just innate. You just, you'll be fine. All right, sweet. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it'll, it'll happen instantly. You'll, you'll, you'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. All right, last one. You get to jump into Time Machine. You get to go back to any one of the births. And you get to give yourself a piece of advice. What piece of advice would you give yourself with the knowledge that you have now and the dating journey that you've been on now? How would you prepare a young Daniel for for what's to come? That's a hard question. It is. I think if I went back, I I would probably say it goes too fast. 
Yep. Try and be present as much as you possibly can. Be kind to yourself because you won't get it right all the time. And be the best husband that you can because, you know, I think it has to be a partnership. Yep. So, it's, yeah, I think that's what I'd probably say. Cool. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about being a dad. Pleasure. And, and sharing those wonderful insights. And it's very evident in your children what you and Charlotte have been doing because they are super lovely. They're easy to talk to. They're outgoing. They're, they look like they're ready for any challenge that comes their way. And I think you've prepared them for the future, for, for what they need. And I really like that advice of sit in those moments and, and take it slow because all too soon they'll be teenagers off with their own friends, not wanting to hang out with you for a little bit. <laughs> I know. That's where we're going now. Yeah. But, you know, I'm excited about that as well. Yeah, awesome. No, well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that chat with Dan. I got so much out of it sitting down and just shooting the breeze around how he dads, around how much he adores his son and his two daughters, the way that he holds Charlotte in such high esteem and admits that he had to do a lot of work uh, in the early days and has learnt a lot from his partner. It's definitely something that I do as well every single day. So it's nice to hear that there are men out there listening to their partners because, you know, sometimes they just know best. Um, But it's because they are such a great team that they are able to put all the, the things in the past in the past and focus on those three beautiful children in front of them and beautiful children they are. I'm excited to watch them grow even further and become adults, which isn't that too far off. So I'm excited for that for Dan. How We Dad is recorded and produced by Jeremy Ford. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wobbicle people.